You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Nocturne Boulevard. Nocturne Boulevard? Not far. When you hit Howard, hang a right. Howard meets Philip at a weird kind of angle. Then you cross James and Paul. You can't miss Nocturne. It's just past the automatic. 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Your address for suspenseful stories of the speculative, strange, and supernatural. Tonight's story is Wit and Wizardry. This is 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Won't you step inside? Did you have any trouble finding it? What do you mean, what kind of a place is it? Why, it's a Regency-era drawing room. Can't you tell? Thank you, Wellesley. And I thank you for attending on me, Miss Heatherton. It is my honour, sir. Your letter was very clear as to your requirements. My daughters must be introduced into society. My wife is long since dead, and as we have lived abroad for so many years, I have no one to entrust them to. I shall make it my sole purpose to see them well situated. I am a wealthy man. Well-respected, even if only at a distance. Yes, sir. However, I am not insensitive to the happiness of my daughters. Sophie and Phoebe must not merely find husbands, but men who will truly value and cherish them. That is the goal of every woman. Is it? I would go so far as to say that I would rather see them married to penniless men or shopkeepers if there was love and they were truly happy. Am I not unique? Truly, sir, if more fathers were of your countenance, there would be both more happy and more unhappy marriages. Unhappy? You do not say. A young woman eager for romance does not always consider the niceties of life beyond the courtship. And love does not signify? May I speak frankly? Go on. Love does not pay the rent. Too many girls who would follow their hearts rather than their parents' guidance do not understand this. And deprivation leads to discomfort, which leads to discontent. It is only your commission to guide them into society. Should they find love, I shall pay the rent. You are a truly magnanimous father. I will begin writing letters immediately. Yes. Do you not know me? Sir? (gasps) Go. Write your letters. Dearest Patricia, I am almost at a loss for words. I have seen a ghost from my own distant past, and I fear it will be the death of me. 
You are my greatest friend, and have never pressed me on my wretched history, but suffice to say I was mortified to find I had been in conversation for a full ten minutes, utterly insensible to the identity of the man with whom I spoke. His voice, his face, though there I think I could be forgiven due to the dim firelight, all about him had altered so dramatically. Miss Haverton. Greetings. And to you, sir. These are my daughters, Sophie. Pleased to meet you, miss. And Phoebe. Likewise. I shall leave you alone to your schemes. Please feel free to write should you require anything. Oh. <laughs> Goodness, what's put him into such a temper? I hope you do not mind our frivolity at the expense of our poor dear father. He's usually the most affable of men. This town does not appear to agree with him. I think it has changed overmuch since he was here as a boy. Such dreadful hostesses we are. Come, sit, Miss Heatherton. We'll have tea, and you can tell us all about all the lovely young men that we are going to meet. I need your counsel. You always have it, my dearest Everard. Oh, she failed entirely to recognise me. Did you apprise her of your identity? I knew her the minute her foot fell within the room. You had summoned her. Assure me again that you are not offended by my need to regain my dignity? I have no call to be offended, dear husband. You can always be assured of my great affection for you, even as I am. For that... You will ever have my gratitude and regard. You will be frank with us about people, or will you not, Miss Heatherton? You may call me Catherine if you like, though I am old enough to be your mother... Pray, ask us not to think of you as a mother, for we already consider you a great friend. And that is both suitable and fills me with the warmest regard. Next time, we must find you something less somber to wear. Chaperone you may be, but you needn't dress like a dowager. I will endeavor to smarten myself. For now, I should not want to distract any attention from the two loveliest girls in the room. <laughs> Shall we go in now? Turn. Let me see. Do we meet your approval? In every respect. Come along. They are truly the neatest and nicest girls one could ever hope to become acquainted with. Sophie is the older and taller, with chestnut hair that might have been snatched right off her father's head. Phoebe is slighter and paler complected, with hair in a pleasing brown that only hints at the red when the sun chances to hit it. I am quite taken with both of them, and will find it a pleasure rather than a mere duty to see them well matched. 
How are you liking society so far? <laughs> oh, it is quite marvellous, Father. The ball last night was particularly gorgeous. So many lovely gowns. In every possible colour of the rainbow. Apart from our own Miss Everton. Though she certainly knows everyone, she must be poor as a church mouse to wear such drab colours. She can't possibly enjoy being so unassuming. Did you have the opportunity to dance? Oh, Father, I danced at least a dozen dances, each more amusing and intricate than the last, and each young man even more handsome. Rather than enjoying an endless set of partners, I paused from time to time to actually speak with several of the young men. It is well to find out. Of course, Miss Heatherton only danced once or twice. There are always older gentlemen at these parties who will take pity on partnerless ladies. She dances very well. Why, with a new gown, she would be as pretty a dancer as any, regardless of the company. I must say, she has quite a good figure for her age. Have you noticed? Indubitably. So many of the more venerable ladies are given to stoutness. But she is... Have you a point you are trying to make? There is always a point, Papa. In this case, the point is that... Well, she would never ask for it. Miss Heatherton needs a more recent and respectable gown. If she is to set us off to our best advantage. Come in. Quick, it's utterly freezing in here. Should I light the fire? No, Papa would feel it. I only intended the regular means for lighting a fire. We'll be warm enough presently. I think we were a bit too obtrusive with our interest today. You covered us neatly enough, I must say. Gavin does need a new gown. It is not as if Papa cannot afford it. How do we talk her into fitting it? We do not. She is very like me in general build and height, though her colouring is readier. I will suborn a dressmaker to create something for myself. Make sure it is in that shade of green Father likes. I think it is better in a darker shade. That green was Mother's colour. Oh, I cannot think how I forgot that. Fred not. She would never have minded, but I fear he may. I think a deep golden brown would suit her well, and it is not a colour we saw over much of the ball. There must be a great deal of embroidery on it, and lace. That goes without saying. It is a pity that Father will not hear any good of her. She seems a most estimable woman. I like her very much as well. And do you know I have the vaguest feeling that I have seen her face before? Do you think she was in Australia or Switzerland? No, I have a notion I have seen a portrait of her, a, a miniature, long ago. Mrs. Tinsdale has three sons, all of whom are very agreeable. I know of no bad habits among them. Goodness! Are you certain they are not tedious? They are well-liked. And Mrs. Tinsdale has been a great friend throughout my entire life. Yes? This is 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Won't you step inside? 
What do you mean, what kind of a place is it? It's anything you want it to be. And it's streaming on the Fantasy Network in TFN Audio. The Fantasy Network. Creator distributed. Fan supported. Adele. Yes, I'm here. I'm finding myself vexed. Why is that? The Baron. The one man I have longed to face down and show that for all his efforts to thwart me, I have reached a similar footing to himself. And now you have that chance, do you not? Oh, to the contrary. He is dead. I can never now see the look on his face. Never? (laughs) It is quite enough of a trial to bring back one with whom I was so intimately acquainted. To call thus upon an enemy would be intolerable. Would the difficulty outweigh the satisfaction you might receive? We are so pleased, Mrs. Tinsdale, that you thought enough of us to ask us back to tea. We hope you will not think us impertinent, but we believe that you are one of the best and closest friends of our much-beloved Catherine. Yes, we have been friends since girlhood. I hope you will not find this out of place or think us vulgar, but I believe you also know who our father is. (sighs) I, I do. They act so strangely when they find themselves together. We need to know what might have passed between them, if only so we should not inadvertently aggravate the issue through careless talk. I comprehend your intentions, my dear girls, but I cannot speak ill of any of the parties involved, most of all your own father. Do not fret yourself, beloved Mrs. Tinsdale. We know the man our father has become. Finding out what sort of man he may have been in his youth will not swear our good opinion one jot. We must know. Do you swear upon your good mother's grave that you will not breathe a solitary word of what you are about to hear? Absolutely. May I die a thousand deaths if I breathe a single syllable? Some twenty years ago. Your father was a well-respected young man, good family, good prospects, in love with a charming and equally well-suited young woman. It was, unfortunately, the law of the land at that time that wizardry were outlawed. Truly? Say it is not so. And when it was discovered and made public by the girl's own father that Mr. Gray was... A practitioner, however inadvertent, he was sent away. Transported. We did grow up in Australia. Ah. Don't worry. We have been polished by the best schools. There's nary a rough edge remaining. Ah. (laughs) But could you possibly be saying that our dear Miss Heatherton is... The girl. Tragically, yes. In their youth, your father and she doted upon one another. The engagement was to be announced. But she never married. Oh, that was an unfortunate mischance indeed. Some time after her father put 
<laughs> your father, out of the house, he fell into some bad business deals. In only a few short months, the family was rendered destitute. After that, poor Catherine could not have had the slightest hope of finding a suitable match. It is monumentally difficult to be forced to face him, to see such disapprobation on his once beloved face, and yet, in a way, it is cleansing. I've borne this burden of guilt for my betrayal, both of the confidence and of the man, for such long and wearisome years, that any such penance cannot but bring light to the darkness that has been my lot. And now they are at odds with one another. She will not hear his name, and he... I fear he only engaged her that he might rub her nose in his success. Yes. While I have never before seen a hint of such vindictiveness in Papa's behavior, I must avow that he has deep currents. I was talking to Mother just last night. Without me? You beast! You are merely jealous because you cannot call upon her yourself. It's unkind. You have talents of your own. And there are times when a girl wishes to speak alone with her mother. There are as well for me. I shall put it right with you this very evening, shall I? You are the dearest sister. Sisters? <gasps> oh, sir. My pardon, ladies, but I believe one of you may have dropped this. It is certainly not mine. My handkerchiefs are a delicate yellow with lace. And neither of us has the initials RDC. Goodness. Oh, then it must be mine. How silly of me. Are you importuning an introduction. At least he is amusing. I found I could not resist. Perhaps I shall see you again sometime and you will drop something that I may rescue it. Perhaps a potted plant or a small dog. <laughs> and you thought I was the amusing one. You trump me, lady. Have you any brothers? Oh, what? No, no brothers. Is that important? Oh, my sister and I are so similar in our likes and dislikes. We long ago determined that we must marry brothers. So we would not have to quarrel over our dance partners. My sister is very forward. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. While I wish I might prolong this delightful exchange, I'm en route and cannot be late. Perhaps you will remember me later. That was rather abrupt. Oh, look. If it isn't the ingenues. Oh, marvellous. Enid, is it not? How delightful to see you again. And so soon. Mm. Oh, oh, yes. And what a charming frock. I have one of the best dressmakers in Huntington at my very beck and call. We shall have to winkle the name out of you. I would never tell. Discretion is such a virtue. Speaking as we are of discretion... I feel it is quite my duty to drop a word in your ears. That impudent young fellow who was assailing you a moment ago... Was he? <clears throat> Pray, go on. We are so woefully uninformed about such matters. Miss Heatherton is trying to put us on the right path, but there is so much to take in, and all at once. I hope you will understand, then, when I simply say that he is unsuitable. Why? He looks a goodly young man. His clothes are quite neat. Clothes do not always signify. His family is... trade. Well off, I expect, but hardly someone you should wish to be seen with. Oh, 
he's not one of those wizards, is he? Shh! Do not be so derogatory. Our own father was taken for one many years ago. As I expect Miss Enid is quite aware. Oh? Yes, of course. But it was much worse in your father's day. Now they are merely trade. Then they were criminals. We are aware. I do not apprehend so much about the young man to be able to cite his particulars, just that he is certainly beneath the notice of such well-bred ladies as ourselves. Thank you so much for the intelligence. We shall benefit greatly from it. I must rush away now. Must you? We shall see you at the ball tonight. Yes. Goodbye. What a sharp-tongued... Shh! Recall yourself. We have left such coarse language far behind. Now quiet while I concentrate. You would not. Me? Heavens forbid. Spiteful harpy. He seemed a perfectly nice young man. I liked his sparkling blue eyes. How shall we ever find him again? You kept his handkerchief, did you not? <laughs> Might we take a turn by the market and purchase some appropriate herbs? I take it you've been pleasantly occupied for the past few days. Very much so, Father. Oh, Papa, we've had a splendid time. Not too occupied to spare an afternoon for tea with your aged parent, though? We relish the chance to spend some time at your side, Papa. You've been so absent of late, and we had no opportunity to apprise you of the wonders we have witnessed. We hope you do not mind. We invited Miss Catherine along to tea. Oh. She is truly the most charming lady of our acquaintance. Miss Heatherton. Oh. Come in. Dear Catherine, you must sit beside me, for this is simply the most comfortable seat to be had. Miss Heatherton. Oh, Mr. Gray, Sophie, Phoebe, I... Must sit directly. You look as though the sun has given you a flush. You must have some tea. Of course. That must be the cause of my loss of words. You never said that your father would be present. I am delighted to find this is so. The girls have become very forgetful of late. What with the whirl of excitement their lives have become. I have endeavoured to keep them occupied. You must admit that Miss Heatherton looks quite fine in my old gown, Father. The deep colours suit you so much better than they ever did me. I believe you plan to hunt out a couple of others that would not be too difficult to alter for fashion, Sophie. I love to see them get worn rather than languish in my cases now that I have such an array of new attire. Oh! Oh, goodness! I have spotted my favourite muslin. Phoebe, come and help me. It must be washed before it stains. Children, they think they know everything. How would they know anything? I would never speak of it. Nor I. There are numerous people in this vicinity, however, who have long memories. I do not think I require your services any longer. What? This association is not a good fit. There is no cause for alarm. I will provide your wages for the duration of the contract. Blast your contract, Everard. Miss Heatherton, 
I shall send your wages round this afternoon. <gasps> Good day. Good day. I think we may have miscalculated. They did not seem to be on the best of terms. <sighs> have we left them alone long enough? Give them another moment. Perhaps a reconciliation is even now at hand. <laughs> Perhaps not. Papa, I suspect we bungled somewhere. All is lost. I had hoped to contrive some excuse for speaking to him, for tendering my sincerest apologies, and yet now all my hopes are dashed. The girls furnished an occasion, very deliberately, for us to speak tete-a-tete, -tete, and he merely informed me that I have been sacked. My heart is in tatters at my feet. Never have I needed your counsel more desperately than I do now. You spoke to her, did you not? I did not seek it, but think she did not either. Did you ask her? Ask what? What happened all those years ago? I know what happened. I begged her to follow me, for if I must be sent so far away, at least she might be at my side. And she refused? Yes. Did she refuse for lack of love or lack of means? It matters not. My father would have provided her passage or anything else she might have needed. Then filial piety held her back. She never said a word against her father. Never a word to him on my behalf either. Girls are not raised to speak out against their fathers. And no girls but ours, at the least. She had no courage. And today? I braced her and she fled. Would you have had her argue with you? Yes. Anything to show she had some backbone. When you knew her before, did she have backbone? She would argue with me. She would tell me on the instant if she felt I was being unjust. And today she shied away as if from her father. Yes. Or a man like her father. Yes. No. What are you implying? I imply nothing, dear husband. I simply state that when one harbours such a deep and negative feeling, it is most important that one does not become the person one despises. Go away. Hi, this is Klaus Holm, and I'm the creator of Tempest Investigations. If you like TV shows like Buffy, Angel, and Supernatural, you should check out Tempest Investigations. Listen to it on TFN, creator-distributed, fan-supported. I've got the claret. Good. First, we'll see what we can find out about young Master RDC. Then perhaps you will be so kind as to allow me to talk to Mother. But ought we to focus on ourselves when poor Catherine is so... Father is immovable. 
embraced him about reinstating her, and he insists we shall never lay eyes upon her again. And all the blame may be laid solely upon our shoulders. Truly. Perhaps Mother will have some suggestion. True. But first, your dear young man. He is not mine. I do not even know his name. We shall presently mend that shortcoming. Ladies, are you uh, lost? Thank you, sir, but no, this is quite a charming shop. Ah, <sighs> oh, this smells not heavenly. Perhaps I can help you uh, find something. I only wish to breathe for a moment. Do I detect a hint of mangrove? Ah, let me take you to the private parlour in the back of the shop. Certainly. We would never wish to be seen through your window. Is Master Roger in? Miss? Well, I can inquire. Are you acquainted with the young gentleman? We have come to return his handkerchief. Ah. I will return shortly. <laughs> oh, did you see the look on the poor fellow's face when we walked through the door? He was quite mortified. Not a place for ladies, only for the church. Ah, Roger. Oh, I am sorely mistaken. I am Roger's cousin, Barnet Caulfield. We do look much alike, over a shoulder like that. My sister has forgotten her manners. Perhaps she left them in her second best bonnet. I am Miss Sophie Gray, and this is my younger sister, Miss Phoebe Gray. We do not stand much on ceremony, since it is such a small place, and so many people are always there before us. <laughs> I believe I now know who you ladies are. Roger was rhapsodizing a bit about a matched pair of charming and witty girls he pressed his acquaintance upon in the street yesterday. We have come to return his handkerchief, also pressed upon us. I shall see that it reaches him. He will be devastated to discover that such lovely ladies called while he was out. Are you trying to rush us out before we even have a chance to make our purchases? You plan to buy, but... Do you know what sort of a shop this is? Hardly a shop for ladies of quality. I do wish you would stop that. You will permanently roughen your throat and speak like that always. Well, not. What purchases were you looking to make? I need a good deal of clay, some golden seal, verbena. We agreed verbena would suffice in place of... Oh, yes. Verbena as well. Did you secure the sketch from Mrs. Tinsdale? Yes. Uh, have you any mandrake root? Yes. Fresh or dried? We have both, though fresh is considerably dearer. Mm, dried will suffice. This need not be made permanent. What is it you ladies are trying to do? My God, you don't say, Harvey. Cozy, I must say. Barnet, I dare say you're endeavouring to engage both of the loveliest ladies in town all for yourself. The ladies have come to make some purchases. Truly? Could it be so? Could what be so? I must make the heartfelt admission of my shame. I shop. 
Whoa, utter woe. But are you two... We are of wizard stock, sir. No need to talk round and round the subject as if it was something shameful. Anymore. <laughs> Huzzah! But we may speak on this at a later date. Tonight, we have an urgent need and a list. Shall we go into dinner? We are awaiting one more, Papa. Do not. We planned this far in advance, and you cannot absent yourself. You are our beloved father, and she is our dear friend, and we cooked the entire meal with our own hands. So it should not last long. <laughs> Do not move, father, or I will never love you more. Dearest Catherine. Oh, does she not look lovely, Phoebe? I knew that teal gown of yours would do wonders with her colouring. Come along in. I fear it is only the five of us for dinner. Five? One will be arriving soon. We must serve as well as cook, as we sent all the servants to the concert hall for the night. Handel. Come, let us all sit. Catherine, if you will take this seat. Father, your customary place. And we'll light the five candles. We will return instantly with something to settle both of you. The girls are most persuasive. Headstrong, but good-hearted. We would have carried it, but it is much heavier than it even looks. Such a large dish. What have you cooked up? It smells fragrant. <laughs> Father, I feel we must prevail upon you to aid us in transferring it to the centre of the table. Oh, here. I'll move a candle from the circle so you can position it. Very well. <laughs> the weight alone tells me this is far too much for mere mortals like us to eat in one sitting. Oh, it's not to eat. <gasps> what is it? Father! We only had a pencil sketch to work from, but the face came out rather well, didn't it? What is this? It what? is merely a clay carving, Catherine. Do not fret. How? Why? So Father can tell him off once and for all. Then he needn't be angry with you anymore. I will not be a party to this. Party to what? Where the devil am I? Ooh, very good. Now, Father... I believe you have something to say. Who the devil? Cray, how dare you come near me again? Oh, they say the colonies age a man, but this is ridiculous. It has been 20 years, Father. You are here as well? With him? Should we tell him? He has been deceased for quite some years. There really is no time. Let Father speak his piece. Baron Heatherton, you are the most foul-minded man to ever have lived. Your accusations that I might ever have bewitched your daughter were so far unfounded that if there was any bewitchment involved, it was her to me, and only in the natural way of women to man. Filthy wizard. As to that, twenty years have passed, and that mad law has been repealed. All it's required was for one king to be miraculously healed, and suddenly we, all of us, are once again in good odour in the empire. And now I'm a man of great wealth, and your own dear daughter has been left penniless to make her way by an unwise father who never made a good investment, not even in his choice of a son-in-law. How dare you? 
I shall horsewhip you again, vile creature. Horsewhip? <laughs> you are here only at our beck and call now, but I am done. We had better... We will return shortly, Catherine. Father, we only wish to help. And I feared I was inevitably to turn into that. You? Never. Never now. Not faced with him that way. Now I see that I can never become such an... Insufferable beast. What? Catherine! You ruined my entire life through your stupid pride. Driving off the only man I could ever have loved. Oh, shh! Come away. I will not be a good girl, father. I spent too much of my life as an imbecilic good girl. A puppet who smiled and nodded and agreed when her strings were pulled. And what has it gotten me? Now I am everyone's puppet. I must always smile and nod and agree. I live only on the kindness of others. How is your pride now, father? Oh, it's the I am... I am mortified. Do not be. Your head, or my father's head, it is melting. We only had dried mandrake root. It would never have lasted. It served, though. Do you not think? I think perhaps it did. I should take my leave. Stay. Uh, please. Oh. But only on your own account. I should not want to pull your strings. <sighs> Mother predicted this, you know. Whilst I was closeted with her. What does she say about the Mrs. Caulfield? I thought perhaps we had best ask that one together. Now that you know how to find us, don't be a stranger. We have enough of those already. Tonight's episode, Wit and Wizardry, was written by Julie Hoverson. In tonight's episode, Everard Gray was played by Michael Hudson. Miss Catherine Heatherton was Julie Hoverson. Sophie Gray was Beverly Poole. Phoebe Gray was Chandra Wade. Adele Gray was Fiona Thrale. Roger Colefield was Will Watt. Barnett Colefield was Benjamin Lind. Mrs. Tinsdale was Jennifer Dixon. Enid was Femnomena. Baron Heatherton was Rick Lewis. The footman was Russell Gold, and the store clerk was Brian Hendrickson. The Regency dance music is from the album Lady Caroline's Regency Romp, and is used with the ever-kind and quite express permission of the Lexington Vintage Dance Society. It can be purchased from their website at lexingtonvintagedance.org. Additional underseen music was by Kevin McLeod of Incombatech.com. Sound and mastering was done by Julie Hoverson, with Suzanne Dunn on scene prep. The cover art was by Julia Hoverson and Brett Coolstock. Sound effects were found on soundsnap.com, onesoundfx.com, and sonomic.com. The opening theme was by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. The opening credits featured Cole Hornaday, Renaud LaBeouf, and Julie Hoverson. All persons, places, and events in this story were fictitious or used in a fictitious manner and are not meant to reflect any persons, places, or things living, dead, or undead. Questions? Comments? We would love to hear from you. Contact us at 19nocturne at live.com, that's 19nocturne, or check out our website at www.19nocturneboulevard.com. 
This presentation is copyright 2011 to Julie Hoverson and Reality Productions and is released under a Creative Commons non-commercial license. Spread the show around, but don't try to make money off it. I dare say you are endeavouring to... Inge- <laughs> I can't sight read. Oh, God. Mmm, Clay. This casserole is extra crunchy. <laughs> oh, it's not to eat. Is the marijuana. <laughs> Father! Neither. 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 Ah, <laughs> oh, sisters. We get to giggle about this. <laughs>